Luke 17, 11 through 19. Please join me. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there he met ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was uh, that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? <clears throat> Were there not any who, who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Let's pray. God, we uh, come to you this morning thankful for so many, so many things, God, but um, mostly we're just thankful for your love, your grace, your mercy, God. Uh, we're, we're thankful that uh, you sent your son to die on the cross to forgive our sins, Lord. We're thankful that we can give you all things and, and you can take all things from us and give, give back. Thank you, Lord, for um, this message today. I pray for Pastor Steve, um, that you will speak through him. Uh, I pray that you will open our hearts and minds to your word as well, Lord. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Um. I've talked with you before about the old people in our church. Uh, I think I, I, I used to think that they were on my side. Um, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm reconsidering. Seems like they're trying to rattle me before the service, right when I'm trying to just be really spiritual, you know. Trying to trying to be spiritual. One of our elderly ladies. I'm not going to tell you her name, because she just wants attention. I'm going to tell you her name. She gave me this news clipping, and I thought it was going to be about Michigan beating Ohio State yesterday. They did. That's the only news clipping I really cared to see. Instead, she gave me this. She cut this out of the newspaper just for me. Touching. Says this, The preacher's five-year-old daughter noticed that her father always paused and bowed his head for a moment before starting his sermon. One day she asked him why. Well, honey, he began, proud that his daughter was so observant of his messages, I'm asking the Lord to help me preach a good sermon. How come he doesn't do it? She asked. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Judy. <laughs> okay. Now that we got that out of the way. Our our text this morning is is uh is making one 
big point, I think. I think there's one big point in this little story. Um, it's, uh, it's this. If we, could, if we could capture this story here in one sentence, we could say this. You can be an unthankful ex-leper, but you cannot be an unthankful Christian. I love that this passage just fell um, in God's providence, fell on Thanksgiving weekend. That's kind of fun. Um, and it's a really good reminder. We're not going to say anything that's just going to blow your mind this morning. There's nothing, nothing revolutionary. If you're waiting for something like super revolutionary, then, then you know, you're going to be continuing to wait. Um, but it is, I think, a necessary reminder for all of us. You can be an unthankful ex-leper, but you cannot be an unthankful Christian. So for our sermon, we're just going to break that sentence up into two parts. Then that will be the two parts of the sermon. Part one, you can be an unthankful ex-leper. Let's see what we mean by that. It's, it's difficult for us to imagine how awful it would have been to be a leper. Uh, to have leprosy. In the Bible, that, that word leprosy in the Bible, the word that gets translated leprosy is a big, I mean, it's a big umbrella kind of a word. And so, a lot of different skin diseases fell under that term leprosy. So it could be something pretty mild, or it could be something very severe. And, and so if it was bad enough, then the priest would make the person who had leprosy, he would, he would make them stay outside the community. They couldn't be with their families. They couldn't worship in any way with the people of God. They were completely cut off from society. So it was heartbreaking. And, and, and being cut off from society, that just lasted until their skin disease cleared up. If it cleared up. If they were healed. It was universally recognized in the Bible days that, that leprosy wasn't going to be healed unless God healed them. God could take it away, but there wasn't really any kind of treatment beyond that. You sort of just had to wait until you were cleansed, until you were healed. But if you never were, then you would be isolated for the rest of your life and your, your leprosy would slowly kill you. And so when we meet these lepers in our story today, these ten lepers, um, we don't, we can't know for sure how, what, what, you know, how bad they actually were. We don't, the scripture doesn't give us sort of like their, he doesn't give us like their, you know, their medical record. We don't know how bad they were, but we can guess it was pretty bad. Um, they had been removed from their families. They could only be with other lepers. Um, and then there's a strong hint in this passage that these guys had basically given up hope. And the strong hint is that it was a, this group was a mix of Jews and Samaritans. So there's this group of ten that are kind of just living together now. They're, 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 they're part of the same colony. They're part of the same community. And they're just, they're kind of together. That they're all each other has. And it's a mixture of Jews and Samaritans. This would have never happened. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. I mean, they, I mean, you would think the saying would be they wouldn't be caught dead together, but obviously that's, they are willing to be caught dead together, but that's about it. 
This is, this is how you know a Jew has given up if he's, willing, if he's like, fine, I don't care. I guess I'll just hang out with a, a Samaritan. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. If that's how hopeless he is, then this is pretty hopeless. These guys have given up. They're in rough shape. They're completely isolated from their family and friends. They have no hope of getting better. But then, they see Jesus, right? Verse 11, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifting up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, that word Master is an interesting word, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So, these ten lepers, they know enough about Jesus to call Him Master. Okay, so that's an interesting word. Because in the book of Luke, only the disciples call Jesus Master. Nobody else does. This is the only other time, besides when disciples are talking to Jesus, that someone calls Jesus Master. And it means that He has authority. The... The, these lepers knew that Jesus had authority and, and that they, He even had authority over their leprosy. It's, we, we see this great, this great difference between the priests and, and Jesus here. This great difference between the priests and Jesus because the priests, they, they, they're the ones who could tell you whether or not leprosy had gone away. Jesus is the one who can tell it to go away. There's this, there's this huge difference between the two. The priest can tell you whether or not it had gone away. Jesus can tell it to go away. And these lepers somehow knew that. They must have heard. And so they, they knew. And so, I mean, this is just an ama- like, this is amazing that he happens to be where they are. They're going to take advantage of it. So they cry out for mercy. And... Jesus has mercy on them. He says, show yourself the priest, and the moment they turn to do that, they are cleansed. Now that, again, is almost impossible to believe. Because the idea of cleansed means not only did the leprosy go away, and the the leprosy was just now no longer afflicting them, but they also are just, the, 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 the damage is gone. They're cleansed. Which means they're their face is their, their face is made new. Their skin is made new. Wherever the, the leprosy had done damage to their skin, and whatever way it had done damage to them, was now gone. No scabs, no scars, no plastic surgery. Completely restored. Amazing. Almost too good to be true. And as soon as it happens, they rush to the priest because of course they do. Of course they, they, they can't wait to get back to their family. They can't wait to get back to their homes. They can't wait to get back to society. They can't wait to go to the market and find those Ohio State fans and say, that's what's up. Probably. That's not in the Greek or anything. I just, no commentary said that. I'm just guessing. Only one of them stops to say thank you. One out of ten stops to say thank you. Um, sometimes uh, people give my children stuff. I don't. I have no idea why, but people do. Um, and so 
Um, if they knew my children well, they wouldn't give them anything. But they don't know them well, and so they give them stuff, you know, like baskets of junk food or fun little toys. Um, and the, the little ones, the preschool age ones, they get so excited, like rifling through their, their basket of goodies that they oftentimes forget to stop and say thank you. Now, the people who gave it to them, they don't care because they're just watching them enjoy it, and that's enough, blah, blah, blah. But, but, but the parents, my wife and I, are like, you need to stop and say thank you. Um, and we always long for the day when our children are old enough and, like, with it enough to just say thank you without being prompted. That's a good day. It's a good corner to turn, right? But it's fine when they're preschoolers to remind them. They're preschoolers. It's fine. But these are adults. These are adults. We're cheering them on when they realize that Jesus can heal them. We're cheering them on when they have the courage to cry out for mercy. We're cheering them on when they obey His, his command, when they turn towards the priest and immediately they're cleansed. We're cheering them on when they, because they obviously believe that Jesus is the one who can truly heal them, but then we're disappointed when only one stops to say thank you. They see that their lives have been completely changed and only one stops to say thank you. And the one who stops to say thank you is a Samaritan. Luke is making sure that we, that we just sit with that for a moment. That we just sit and, and realize how backwards that is. He's the outsider. He's the nobody. He's the one who doesn't belong. He's the one who's never going to get it. And if you ask a Jew, is the Samaritan ever going to get it? Are they ever going to understand who, who God is and how He operates? No, the, the Samaritan will never get it. But He's the one who does. He's the one who does. And this is sort of a little parable. This is a true story. This story absolutely happened, but it's a parable of, of much that's happening at the time in the nation. Because so many of the Jews, they, they, they like it when Jesus does cool stuff. Like heal their friends and feed thousands of people. They like that kind of stuff, but they don't really like Jesus all that much. They like the benefits that Jesus brings, but they don't really care much for Jesus Himself. They're not really filled with any kind of humility. They're not really filled with any kind of thankfulness. They don't really see Jesus for who He truly is. They're filled with relief. They're filled with happiness. But they're not thankful towards the person who healed them. And this is, of course, far more common than it should be. Romans 1.21. Romans 1 is a devastating passage. It is a sobering passage. And, and one of the just, just most devastating verses in it is 21 where it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him we see how crucial thankfulness is. They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is a human problem. This is not just a first century Jew problem. This is a human problem. Humans like what God does for them, but they don't like God. They don't thank God. We have to stop and remember, if we have any kind of life and breath, if we have any kind of strength and energy, if we have children and grandchildren, if we have any money in the bank, if we have anything, it's because God has given it to us. So before we pound on these ex-lepers because they don't stop and say thank you, 
let's remember they actually represent the human race pretty well. In our sinful state, apart from Christ, we can easily love what God gives us without giving thanks to God Himself. You can be someone who Jesus has rescued from leprosy and still be unthankful. That's our first part of our sermon. You can be a You can be an unthankful ex-leper. You can be someone who Jesus has rescued from leprosy and still be unthankful. An unthankful ex-leper. But then part two, part two, but you cannot be an unthankful Christian. This came home to me this week as I was studying this. um, And it's not anything I didn't know, but the strength of it landed um, just on my heart, my mind this week, and hopefully it's something that, that will cause you to stop and think as well. You cannot be an unthankful Christian. What do we mean by that? Well, let's look at our last few verses. 15 says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God, praise to God, except this foreigner? And that's how we know there's a there's at least a mixture of Jews and Samaritans there because Jesus is comparing the Samaritan to the to the non-foreigner to the the Jew. And he said to him, "Rise and go your way." Your faith has made you well. Maybe your translation says your faith has saved you. That's literally what the, what the text means. Your faith has saved you. And so we know that when Jesus says your faith has saved you, we know He must be talking about more than just physical salvation, physical healing, physical deliverance, because He's already given that. The other nine had that. That's not unique. That's not different. This is different. This is special. This is, this is salvation. This is salvation from sin. By God's grace, something has happened in this man's heart. By God's grace, he gets it. He believes. Saving faith is born in his heart. He sees what leprosy is meant to teach all of us. God didn't establish the leprosy rule because leprosy itself is a sin. God didn't declare declare lepers unclean because because being a leper was, was a sin. It's not a sin to have leprosy. But leprosy itself reminds us that we are all sinfully unclean before God. Isaiah 64 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. If you were a leper and you had and you had all kinds of, and again, I'm not going to go into detail here, but if you had all kinds of uh, symptoms of leprosy, if you had all kinds of skin damage, and you had all kinds of open um, open wounds. Then if you wore a cloak on Monday, you're going to mess up that cloak. It's not going to be clean anymore. Isaiah is saying, 
Our righteous deeds, us trying to cover up our sin, is like putting Monday's leper cloak on, on Tuesday and calling it good. Picking up that same filthy cloak, that, that same filthy overcoat, and, and covering yourself up as, as if that's going to do the job. Leprosy is this reminder that we are born into condemnation. We have a, we have a sin nature. This is a reminder that you and I, we don't, we're, we're not, we're not bad people because we do bad things. We, we do bad things because we're bad people. Our sin nature is deep within us and we can't get rid of it. Everyone knew that leprosy couldn't be healed unless God did it. And the same is true of sin. And this guy gets it. This guy gets what leprosy, it was supposed to teach the nation. He gets it. Jesus is the only way to be cleansed of his sin. And we've been tracking, right, the last few chapters, Jesus has been having a variety of conversations with the Pharisees. He's been trying to get this particular point across to them in a variety of ways, right? Many different ways. Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and saying, you guys are staring right at me, but you don't understand who I am. You see the signs, you see the proof, and you don't care. You refuse to worship me. You refuse to trust me. You refuse to follow me. You refuse to see that I'm your only hope to enter the kingdom of God, to be forgiven of your sins. You refuse to see it. It's kind of like the nine lepers. They, they got healed, but they didn't get the healing. They saw Jesus, but they didn't see Jesus. And Jesus has also been saying to the Pharisees over the last few chapters, you've got to look at these other people. You have to look at these other people who, who, are, who are forcing their way into the kingdom of God. These other people who are clamoring for Jesus, who are, who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. These people that you are mocking and sneering at. These people you would never sit at table with. These people that I'm receiving. These people who have ears to hear and eyes to see. They get it. They see that they are guilty before God. They see that, that, that Jesus is the only way to be forgiven of their sins. He's the only way into the eternal kingdom of God. And he, here in this, these, in these nine verses, we have another story just like that. Someone who sees Jesus for who He is. Not just someone who brings physical healing. Someone who is the only, only hope to be forgiven of our sins. This man sees it. He, he understands that to, to, to continue on in life just, just thinking that, that he can do something good enough for God to approve of him would be like, would be like grabbing his leper cloak and, and covering himself up with it. Makes no sense. It would never work. He could never be clean that way. He needs Jesus. Saving faith has sprung up in this man's heart. Now here, listen, stick with me. Because we have to see here the way it shows up. The way it shows up. Because this is a, this is a unique kind of salvation story. Salvation stories in the Gospel are unique. And the Gospels are just, they're just unique. They happen all kinds of ways. And so we know that the light came on because Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has 
saved you. So we know that the light has come on. We, we know that this man sees Jesus for who he truly is. And how did that faith come bubbling out of him though? How did he express his faith? In thankfulness. In thankfulness. That's the way he expressed his faith. Gospel thankfulness goes hand in hand with gospel faith. The person who believes the gospel will be filled with thankfulness. You can be an unthankful ex-leper. You can enjoy the good stuff God gives and still be unthankful to God Himself. But you cannot be an unthankful Christian. Those who know and love and trust Jesus are thankful. So hopefully, this story does for you what it did for me. Makes me want to be thankful. Makes me want to make sure I'm expressing thankfulness. Makes me, makes me want to be a thankful person. And, and it makes me want to continue to cultivate thankfulness in my heart. It makes me realize I'm not as thankful as I should be. I want more. So it helps us. And, so it, and it actually gives us a little how to show thankfulness manual. Alright? Again, we're gonna look at this verse 15 and 16 again. This will show us step by step how to be thankful. None of this is innovative. None of it is. In fact, I just copy and pasted from scripture. None of this is not, this is not gonna blow your mind. But I think it's something that we all probably could have, could, could do more in our life. This probably should show up in each of our lives a little bit more than it does. So let's look at this former leper's example. Let's look at what it looks like, what, what gospel thankfulness looks like. What the, the thankfulness that comes with faith, what does it look like? The end of verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. So let's just look at that step by step. Here's how to be thankful. Number one, let's see that we were healed. This man, what kicked it off when he saw that he was healed. And he saw, and he saw not only that he was healed from leprosy, he was healed from his sin. This is a good thing to remember every single day, to remember that we have been healed. And maybe not physically healed. Some of you probably are praying for a physical healing that's just not coming. Although maybe, maybe God has physically healed you as well. Much more importantly, much more importantly, we've been spiritually healed. Isaiah says in Isaiah 53 that by His stripes we have been healed. If I was the kind of person who was fine taking like 21 years to preach through the book of Luke, we would have just stopped today and we would have preached a sermon on, on the way to Jerusalem. On the way to Jerusalem. That's enough right there. Verse 11, where it says, on the way to Jerusalem, that's enough right there for message upon message upon message. Because that on the way to Jerusalem is just Luke's way of reminding us that Jesus is determined to go and suffer and die for us. Jesus is stubbornly headed towards 
Jerusalem. It doesn't, and so this is not a geographic thing because you don't go to Jerusalem bouncing up between Samaria and Galilee. That's not the path to Jerusalem. That's not a, I mean, if you're trying to, if you're trying to get there, you know, like, uh, when I'm, when I'm traveling to Michigan for Thanksgiving or home, I'm taking the straightest route possible, and we're not stopping to go to the bathroom because we don't need to. We're gonna be home in two hours. Hold it. But Jesus isn't doing that kind of trip. This is not a, this is not an efficient trip to Jerusalem. This is a theological trip to Jerusalem. He is stubbornly determined to go to Jerusalem because that's where he's going to die for us. And when Isaiah prophesies about that in Isaiah 53, he says, by his stripes we have been healed. Which means we are, which means we are completely forgiven of our sin. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't suffer physically here on this earth. We are going to still suffer the effects of sin in general and of our own sin and of other people's sin. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're going to, we're gonna suffer on this earth the, the, the results of general sin and specific sin. We're gonna suffer sickness and, and heartbreak for sure. But we have been healed which means we have been completely forgiven, and it also means that a day is coming when not even the effects of sin will touch us. There's a, there's a small picture of that in this story where the, where the lepers are cleansed. Where they are, where not only is the leprosy gone, but the damage is gone. The damage is gone. The effects are gone. When, when we are in the new heavens and the new earth, when we are in eternity with Jesus, not only will our sin be gone, but the damage will be gone as well. No disease, no dysfunction, no abuse, no neglect, no misunderstanding, no sadness, no loneliness, no sin, no effects of sin. Because we have been healed. It's a good thing to stop and remember. The second thing this man does is he praises God with a loud voice. So let's praise God with a loud voice. What does that look like in our life? Does this mean we should just go around yelling? Some of you, sure, if you want to. What we want to do is we want to kind of capture the, the spirit of the thing. The spirit of the thing is that this man praised God in a way that other people could hear him. He praised God in the midst of other people. He, he praised God so that in a way that other people would know how God had blessed him. This is a, this is a public thanksgiving. This is, this is why I encourage people to be a part of a community group. This is why I encourage people to be part of a Wednesday night. This is why I encourage people to have face-to-face conversations where they're, where they are praising God together, where they are thanking God together. Not just on a text or email. That's fine. Social media is fine. But having those moments where they can be together, where they can share thanks, thanksgiving with each other, and they can thank God right there together. We were created for that. We are created to hear, to be stirred up in the way that God is pouring out His grace on our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
We're created to be strengthened by that. This man praises God with a loud voice. This man praises God so others will know. I strongly encourage you to do that as well. Figure out a good way in your life to get with people and and publicly thank God for the way He has been gracious to you. Third thing this man does, he falls on his face at Jesus' feet. Fell on his face at Jesus' feet. Again, Jesus' feet are not here. Right? And again, you don't need to go around yelling and you don't need to go around falling on your face. But we also have to capture the spirit of again, right? Where we see the humility here. This is a, this is humility. This is why someone would do that. Why someone would just, would, would just fall on their face, put their face in the dirt. Why would they do that? Because they're filled with humility. And this is something that as we more and more get, get this, this idea in our mind of who Jesus is, how magnificent He is, how glorious He is, how powerful He is, and then just how nice He is to us. Fills us with humility. Who am I? Who am I? That you would stubbornly go to Jerusalem to suffer and to lay down your life so that I can be saved from penalty that I deserve. It's good for us. It's good for us to see how Jesus has healed us. To, to thank Him in the, in the midst of other people. To humble ourselves before Him. And then the fourth thing this man does, he just gives Him thanks. He says, thank you to Jesus. So this is how you show thanks. You say thank you. And you're like, man, this Steve, this is the worst sermon ever. I mean, this is, this is bad. Who wrote this? Well, I wrote it. By wrote it, I mean I copy and pasted from the text. It's not innovative. I'm not shocking the world here by saying, here's how, you, here's how you show thankfulness. You say thank you. That's not revolutionary. But if you're like me, you probably should do it more. Have you said thank you to Jesus today? Did you say thank you to Jesus yesterday? And I don't, I don't mean thank you for the food or or thank you for, for helping my cold go away. I, I mean, I mean, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Is Jesus your Savior? If He's not, then please believe the Gospel. Please believe that He is your only hope to be forgiven of your sins. And if you have any questions about that, as I try to always remember to say my sermons, please come find me afterwards. We will talk. Any questions about what the gospel means? But if he is your savior, then let's just stop right now, right before we do communion. Let's just let's just thank him together. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for humbling yourself to be born in human flesh. Jesus, thank You for enduring temptations in the wilderness 
without sin. Thank You for enduring the rejection of the religious authorities. Thank You for enduring the spit and the mockery and the beatings from those who crucified You. Thank You for taking all of the hellish punishment on the cross for all of my hellish sin. Thank You for being the founder and finisher of the faith of all who believe. Thank You for rising from the dead. Thank You for preparing a place for me. Thank You for interceding on my behalf before the Father. Thank You for saving me. Amen.